Okay, open your Bibles with me in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'm just going to break the series that I was uh, speaking on because we're entering into a season now of uh, prayer and fasting for 21 days. Now, this is going to be great. I am so looking forward to doing this. I've had weeks of eating cake and eat weeks of eating this and that. I think, my God, I need a break. And uh, this is going to be a good break. We're going to have three weeks uh, period of uh, prayer and fasting. And uh, I want to just uh, start us off with that by just sharing today just on fasting for enlargement. <laughs> you think fasting for enlargement. Every one of us this year, God has something planned and prepared for you that would require you stretch from where you are. There are challenges that you will face this year. There are situations perhaps that you need a breakthrough in this year. There will be specific areas you're needing an answer from God. But one of the best ways we can position ourselves for those things to happen is to begin our year with a season where we come near into the presence of God. And we have a period of three, three weeks set aside for prayer and fasting. I'll talk with you a little bit at the end how we can just participate, various levels you can participate. I'm not saying everyone fasts for 21 days, but every one of us can do something during the 21 days. Join our purpose, we'll be fasting for the 21 days. Uh, I love this period. It's not a difficult thing. It's actually a delight because of how you come out the other end. And you come out the end of Christmas and you're very full. Clothes don't fit too good. You're sluggish. You come out of a season of prayer and fasting and you're alive and alert and sharp and you're hearing fresh from God. And so it's really good that we break out of the whole holiday mode, holiday flow and begin to start to look and preparing ourselves for the things God wants to do in the coming year. So I want to just give you a few introductory scriptures, and uh, then we're going to get into just a few things just on fasting. I want to share with you just some things that Jesus did, and then the specific uh, results that came about in his life. One or more of those is going to apply for you. So when I begin to list for you some things that flow directly out of the season of fasting, at least one of them, probably several of them will be something, it'll register in you and you'll say, that's for me. That's what I want to do. I want that in my life this year. And so as you fast, you'll be preparing yourself for that to be released. Uh, as uh, Warren was saying before, you know, we've got to sow before you reap. And uh, you, if you want to reap spiritual things, we have to sow. And we're going to see this as a very good, powerful one. Let's just start off at 2 Samuel chapter 5. Now the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king of Israel, and all the Philistines went up to search for David. David heard, and he went down the stronghold. And the Philistines went, and they deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Rephaim means giants, the place of giants. And so David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? The Lord said, I love this answer. This is always God's answer when, he, when we face a challenge. Okay? Go up, I'll deliver them into your hands. He said, Doubtless, I'll do it. Doubtless, I'll do it. Doubtless, I'll do it. And then so David went to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there, and he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of water, speaking of birth. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal Perizim. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Now, this was just a period in David's life when he had received an anointing to be king. He was positioned now to, to advance and enlarge the whole of the nation of Israel. But upon hearing of his desire, intention, and anointing by God to do this, Immediately, 
his enemies stirred up and came together and they came against him to destroy him. Notice, the moment they heard, he was anointed. The moment they heard that the Spirit of God was on him and he was purposing now to enlarge the nation, at that point the enemy pushed in against him to destroy him. And it says they met him in the Valley of Giants. Now this year, I believe in every part of the church, God is working on us to enlarge and expand. Expand our capacity. Expand our spiritual life. Expand in our skill area. Expand in our vision. There's many ways that you can expand, and God has something for you to grow and expand in this year. If you're content to stay where you are, you won't you'll miss the opportunity that God gives because when God is speaking about enlargement, always associated with that is a grace to win. See, so God has positioned David as a king. Immediately, these giants come up. Now, as we set ourselves at the beginning of the year to seek and push into the presence of God afresh, no doubt there will be some giants will appear in your life. Some of you, you'll be very aware what they are. Some of you right now may be in a valley. There's a a difficult situation, uh, a struggle that you're facing, a challenge you're facing. You have a giant. For some of you, you may have been wrestling with a particular giant last year. It may have been an eating issue. It may have been a fear issue. It may have been uh, something around your life that limited you or restricted you. Whatever it was that was in front of your life as a giant. Giants want to intimidate us. Giants want to contain us. Giants want us to remain contained where we are and not advance or increase. God always wants you to advance and increase. And so when David, and I think I like what he did here, it says he came uh, before the Lord and he inquired, Lord, what should I do? Do you want me to go out and fight this lot? And, David, and, and the Lord spoke to him, yes, doubtless you'll win. There's absolutely no doubt in God's mind that what he has planned for you can come about. But it won't come about unless you can stand up and take a challenge. You see, most times we think that everything's just going to roll into our life. Well, when you got born again, there's a lot of things rolled into your life. The presence of God rolled into your life. Many blessings rolled into your life. But as you walk with the Lord, you find you've now got to learn to do something. You've got to stand up and begin to contend to get what God has for you. Not because God doesn't want you to have it, but because there's always a resistance to it. There may be something in the area of finances. There may be something in the area of your family, something in the area of your marriage. There may be a health issue. Whatever it is, there is a, a need for us to arise and push against spiritual resistance to obtain what God says is yours. Essential part of growing as a Christian is the ability to stand up, take responsibility, and begin to set your course to break out of current limitations. Uh, Jesus put it this way in, uh, in uh, where is it now? I'll find it somewhere. In Matthew chapter 11. And uh, he spoke this, he said, Now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Or in other words, he says, and he says, And the violent push in and take it by force. In other words, he's saying that the blessings God wants to bring into your life don't just drop in on your plate. You have to position yourself assertively for these things to take place. There is no place for passivity if you're going to enlarge. If you want to get fit this year, there's no place for passivity in physical fitness. You're going to have to make a stand to break through that thing that gets on you and stops you. 
If you want to develop in some area of your life, you can't be passive. The nature of the kingdom of God is assertive people cause things to advance. You say, well, I'm not like that. No, you're not like that at the moment. But God has wired you to be like that because He put His Spirit in you. And His Spirit is an overcoming, advancing Spirit. See? His Spirit is a missionary Spirit. His Spirit is an apostolic Spirit. His Spirit is the one who empowers people to do what they couldn't do before Spirit. See? So when we become connected to the Lord and begin to walk with Him, He now expects us to stand up and begin to actually put effort into our personal growth and to advancement in the various areas of our lives. In, uh, in Acts chapter 13 and verse 36, and turn, I want you to turn with me to Micah 2.13, but Acts 13.36, it, it says of David, David served his generation by the will of God. Now, when David lived, he discovered what God wanted to do in his day. And you know what God wanted him to do? He wanted to raise up soldiers, build up an army, and take on the Philistines, clean them up, and advance the natural kingdom of Israel. There's not one mention of David ever doing a miracle, raising anyone from the dead, healing a sick person. But there is a a, a list of victories he won because in his day, he served his generation as a man of war. Now, we live in another generation, and today's generation has its needs. And God is looking for people like David, same heart as David, that will stand up in the day we live. Not looking back and saying how great it was back there, but stand up today and say, today is a day of opportunity. Today is a day when I can bring breakthroughs wherever I am. I can bring breakthroughs in the lives of people. What is it God has called me to do? And what he's called you to do is different to what he's called me to do. Every one of us now in this day is called to be like David, to arise and to begin to push out beyond the limitations we've currently lived in. Everyone. Everyone. Look at this. In Micah chapter 2. Let's see if I can find it here. It's one of those little books. You could kind of flick past it very, very easily. Anyway, if I can't find it, I know what it says. Micah chapter 2. There it is. I've got it marked and colored and written on. In verse 13, that says, Now the breaker, or the one who breaks open, will come up before them, and they will break out, and pass through the gate, and go out by it, and their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. Looks a bit difficult to understand, but if you can just pick up two things. It's talking about Jesus Christ, and he's referred to as the breaker. And then it's talking about a people under his headship or leadership. And it says they become breakers as well. They break out as well. So that word break out, that word means literally means to break through, to break out of the womb, to break out of an enclosure, break out of limitations, break obstacles in pieces. So it says Jesus had an anointing on him that brought break out of the current limitations and break into new dimensions and new things. So when Jesus turned up, He broke religious traditions, he broke the customs of the days, he broke the entrenched mindsets, and he released a life of the Spirit in the day he lived. That's what it means to break. In order to be a breaker, you've got to break out of something. Maybe you've got to break out of fear of people. Maybe you've got to break out of the fear of failure. Maybe you've got to break out of the fear of being rejected by someone. 
But we've all got things to break out of, limitations, uh, mindsets, habits, things we've got around our life that have just limited what you could do. And you notice what it says, the breakers shall go up before them. In other words, they're following him. You've got to decide this year what you're going to be following. Will you be following the crowd? Will you be following the trends? Will you be following the world? What are you going to follow? If you follow Jesus Christ, who is anointed to break through, you can expect to break out yourself. And you'll expect him to speak to you about breaking out. Expect him to speak to you about new things. Because it's in the new things the life comes. It's in the new things the growth comes. I did something. I went up, in a, up uh, for a flight in a microlight the other day, and I looked at these things. Well, I've always wanted to go on those. I'm going to do it. So I got up on the thing, and then we get there, and of course you're sitting. There's two of you sitting close to one another, and you're flying this microlight. And I, I saw there were handles there, and so I took a hold of the handles. And I said, "Can you steer this thing from the back?" And he said, "Yes, you can." He's holding on to the front. <laughs> I realized pretty quickly that. You actually have to follow the pilot. You can't have your own plan about where you're going to go. Because I'm thinking, whoa, I want to swoop down there and over that water. I want to go down and look at those stingrays down there and swoop down over those people and just give them a buzz. You know, we've got this little propeller thing out the back and there's a little, you know, a little glider thing over the top. And, and it was wonderful experience. I enjoyed it immensely. I just wanted to get the controls, though. I wanted to steer that thing. And then when he wanted to go back, I wanted to stay up there. And I thought, this is great. And, uh, but the thing I realized in there is you, you actually had to follow his lead. You had to go where he was leading. And see, the Bible tells us, and this it says, he says, the breaker will go up, and it says, then the others will follow him, and they'll go through the gates. So when we, we determine in our heart we'll passionately pursue the Lord, we can expect there's going to be challenges and breakthroughs this year. And it's both personal and corporate. So as a body, we break through to new levels of growth, change. You know, anyone who's been around here a while realize every year it changes. That's because we're breakthrough people. We're not content to settle down. Oh, well, it's great now. We can sit back and retire. No way. I'm not retiring. This is a great new year. I'm about to celebrate a 60-second birthday, and I'm ready for a great new year with new challenges. Why not? I'll be telling the staff, prepare to be uncomfortable this year. We will be changing. It'll be good. And if we're going to be doing some changing, oh, all you must be doing the same thing. It'll go right through. Somehow the filter will come right through. Change. Change. Grow. Expand. Increase. Don't accept current limitations. See? And, and we don't want to do that. We want to break out. We want to break out. And so you're, at the end of this year, you will have shifted and changed according to what you decide probably in the next two or three weeks. You've got to set a goal to do something. You are where you are now because of decisions you made last year and the year before. By the end of this year, oh my. Ha, look out. There's some people ready to break through. Who's got that in their heart and spirit? It's not that hard. You're designed for it. And you see that the, the life comes when you do the new things. I think, man, I like that. And I, someone gave me a birthday present, gave me a paragliding present. That's a bit different. We've got no engine on this one. Just got a, just some kind of parachute thing, and I've got to hang on underneath there and jump off Tomato Peak or something like that. That's going to be a good experience. Kay's done it. She said it's wonderful. She said it's wonderful. Just soaring under the wind. Oh, I like that. This is good. <laughs> Come on. 
Come on. See, so here it is. So now it says, the king will pass before them, the Lord of the head. So God is wanting to bring us into enlargement this year. And I wanted to share with you a couple of things that are helpful for you to get into that place of enlargement. Look in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We heard aspects of it earlier this morning. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus talking about the kingdom. And he's giving a lot of keys about the kingdom. And he gives a couple of keys. Here's one of them here found in Matthew 16 through to 18. Moreover, when you fast, so he talked about when you give, when you pray, when you fast. And when, don't be like the hypocrites who look sad, disfigure their faces so everyone knows they're fasting. In other words, you're going to fast, don't turn up looking like a sad sack. And someone says, what's wrong with you? Oh, 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 fasting. Hear the growls and whatever. Listen, that's not how you do a fast. Hey? You're not to appear to people you're fasting. The whole point about fasting is it's something you do in your heart to the Lord. It's a private matter. And it says, and your Father in heaven who sees what you do secretly will, 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 will reward you openly. Now, of course, what we want is the reward openly now. And he says, you've got to do the secret work first. And the secret work is in the giving, the praying, and the fasting. And the Father who sees in secret. So one of the powers of fasting is when you do it in secret. Say, now, what we'll be doing corporately, we're all going to be fasting. So that's fine. But individually, no one knows what you're doing. No one's really going to ask. It's your decision to do something in secret. You're going to position yourself for God to reward you openly. See, if we want the reward, openly means everyone sees it. How many of you notice that some Christians seem to carry blessing on their life and things on their life that others don't seem to have? That's called rewarding openly. What you do know must have happened was something went on secretly. What we see is reward openly, we just want it. But you've got to, you've got to pay the price. You've got to do the investing before you can reap the rewards. And so when we fast secretly, there's no one looking. It's only between us and God. There are some, some discomforts in it all. But after you've got over the initial discipline, you start to come into a tremendous delight and growing hunger for the presence of God. Fasting uh, disciplines your body. It starts to bring your body back under the control of your spirit. It starts to deal with your soul and bring your soul back into alignment with your spirit. And then you begin to find yourself hungering for God. I remember at the beginning of this last year, uh, by the end of that uh, 21 days fasting, I had such a hunger for God. And it was like, just forgotten about all the Christmas feasting, now hungry for the presence of God, wanting the presence of God. It just, now I didn't, couldn't switch it on, but by actually just taking this process of just fasting and coming before God every day, it's like you get hungry for Him. Initially, you're just hungry for food. But after a while, you become hungry for him. And then it begins to burn like a fire. And so you find by the end of the three weeks, you are burning with a fresh new passion for God and a fresh new sensitivity to his voice. It's absolutely wonderful. Most people think of fasting because they think all the problems of how they'll feel and the discomfort. There's, there's minimal discomfort. There's some. There's some. But it doesn't last. And you've got to keep in mind, why am I doing this? What am I wanting to accomplish this year? If you have no purpose for that fast, you'll rapidly give up. So as we take uh, time this coming three weeks to fast, I want to share each, each week I'm going to direct the prayer time into a different area. So in the first week, we'll be looking at pursuing the presence of God, not asking Him for anything, just 
pursuing him to be in love with him and have the passion restored again. See? Pursuing him. Second week, pursuing purity. In other words, beginning to start to push into God that there might be a bringing to the surface of issues in our life that obstruct us going forward, that we might begin to start to face those things and break through them and out of them. And then in the third week, a pursuing the power of God. God wants us to pursue His power because you can't get the job done if you haven't got His power flowing in your life. This year, we want to be talking about how to minister the power of God. We'll have a couple of seminars on how to do that. But to be able to do that, you've got to actually position yourself internally. It's not something magical that happens. It's something that naturally flows when I position myself right with the Lord. You get the idea? Okie dokie. Okay, let's have a look in uh, Luke chapter 4 then. Have a look at Jesus, what he did. And I want to just give you some of the benefits and blessings of fasting. Now, Jesus was anointed with the Spirit, uh, Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 4. Immediately after being anointed with the Spirit, he doesn't go and announce anything. Verse 1 and 2. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Ghost, returned unto the Jordan and was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness and being tempted for 40 days of the devil. In those days he ate nothing. And afterwards when they ended, he was very hungry. Well, you do get hungry, no doubt about that. So the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he began to pray and fast. He had a season set aside at the beginning. That's why at the beginning of anything, it's always good to have a season of prayer and fasting. Because Jesus did it. It's a pattern. So before he ever... Now, he looked around him. He's anointed with the Holy Ghost. And he's got a commission to go do something. Naturally, what you tend to want to do is just jump up and do something, get busy, make something happen. But he waited in the presence of God until he received revelation, instruction, and empowering, and broke through resistance he knew he would face. So you find... It doesn't tell all the things that happened in the 40 days, but we can conclude certain things did happen. One of the things that must have happened, there must have been a tremendous flow of the spirit of revelation to him. He must have day by day accessed the throne room of God and began to get first-hand revelation from the throne of God. All his ministry subsequently was the overflow of what he received and then what he continued to receive. There was a person. Now, it's one thing to get someone else's message. Today, you're getting someone else's message. Tomorrow, you could position yourself to hear from God yourself. And that is God's plan for every person. Now, how did he position himself? A season of fasting and prayer. He positioned himself that he would hear clearly and begin to engage the supernatural realm of the Spirit so he could actually receive downloads of revelation. Uh, have you ever thought or asked yourself, when did Jesus know he'd come from heaven? When did Jesus know that he was the Son of God? When did Jesus know he was going to go to the cross? When did Jesus know that Jesus was going to betray him? You ever wondered about all those things? It, the Bible's clear right from the beginning. This is the season when he got all that revelation. That's when he got all that revelation. That's when he was able to say, I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm here to do. And I know who's going to betray me. See, he knew it all. How did he know it all? Communion with God. 
Okay? So he had tremendous insight already before he began his ministry. The Bible's quiet about what happened up until that stage, but undoubtedly prayer and fasting were a part of his life then too. Must have been, because great favor was upon him with God and with man. So he had to be doing something in secret. Undoubtedly, he was praying and fasting as well as a young man. You don't wait till you're 30. Get into it now. Into it now. Into it now. Prayer and fasting. It's a good thing, isn't it? Prayer and fasting, good thing. So it was his highest priority. And undoubtedly, in that time, there was tremendous revelation came to him. There was intimacy with the Father, a relationship and intimacy with the Father developed deeply during that time because he had firsthand access to heaven. The second thing must have happened, he must have received deep instruction. third thing that happened was he entered into spiritual conflict. We know that. Now, many people have read it, but, but often we read what the Bible says and you, and you don't even begin to think through what was actually happening. And as we look at it, I'll just show you what was going on. Then you'll begin to understand the dimension Jesus reached in the realm of the Spirit. He's called us to go to the same place, that where I am, you may be also. Called us to also access the realm of heaven and receive personal and direct revelation from the Father. It's our privilege as sons of God, our privilege, our privilege. It's our responsibility to do it too because someone needs what you can give them. You can't live your life on someone else's messages. You actually have to hear personally from God for yourself to develop your faith life. Hey, everyone's getting quiet. Oh, it must be good. We must get into a fast already. Okay, now notice now what happened. Let's just pick up a few things. I want to, I'm not going to develop any of these. I want to just give you a list of some of the direct benefits and blessings that flowed into Jesus' life and ministry as a re- direct result of this 40 days prayer and fasting. Now, a later time in his ministry said this kind of demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. He did not stop to pray and he did not stop to fast. He already had the bank of power built up. He'd already done it. So it was a way of life for him. Okay, now let's just have a look at a few scriptures here. And I want to just give you now a list of 12 things, 12 things which were direct overflow. Now, uh, I'll try to put them in terms that perhaps you could connect with them. And I want you to identify if there's any one of these you're desiring in your life for this year. And if there are, mark it off. It's a direct result. Then lay it down. This is one of the things I want to do this year. See, so number one, uh, direct release of revelation from the Spirit of God. Direct release of revelation of the supernatural realm. He had direct revelation of it. I'll give you some of the reasons why the heavens were opened. And we know that he heard the Father. We know that he saw things in the Spirit. He heard things in the Spirit. He was taught by the Spirit of God. He had tremendous amount of insight, which he gained in that 40 days and 40 nights. We know also he accessed the realm where the devil operates. He accessed that realm of the Spirit where the devil operates because he had a direct encounter personally with the devil. Now, we don't ever have that. We may have little low-level spirits. He had a direct encounter with the devil. Now, and, and you've got to sort of think what that really means. Uh, we'll, show, we'll look at the, the, the way he was tempted in a moment. Okay, let's go and have a look in, in, in the second thing is then in uh, Luke 4, verse 3 and 4. Now, the devil said to him, you're the son of God. Command the stone to become bread. But Jesus said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that flows from the mouth of God. So the first purpose of fasting then is to release a flow of supernatural revelation, insight from heaven. Second is to weaken the power of the flesh, to weaken the power of the flesh. Now imagine at 40 days, you'd be very hungry. 
and he's got the power and the temptation comes, why don't you just, come on, flip that stone into bread. smell the buns. Now, have you ever been past one of those cake shops when they're cooking? I think the stones were smelling like that. Because <laughs> when the devil comes to you, he doesn't just come and stand in front of you. He invades your senses. He overwhelms your senses. Any of you have tried to give up drinking, given it up for a little while, and then one day you're walking by the pub and <clears throat> there's that drawer there. I don't know what happens. I've had it a few times. Not so much lately, though. But I used to have it. And, so it's, and, what, and then I began to realize when the devil comes to attempt you in the flesh, what he does is he invades your senses. And so you just feel this overwhelming, uh, you become just filled with the awareness of that thing. So when the devil came to him, he didn't just speak words to him. He would have filled him with an overwhelming awareness of food, and he would have been entirely conscious of his need for food. So clearly, as a result of fasting, his flesh and its power over his life was weakened uh, he was able to break through that and make a clear stand, no. Now, for you, there may be habits you need to break through. Fasting can help you in that area. There may be patterns of thinking. There may be old, ways of, old patterns of sin. Why don't you begin to fast against it to weaken its power while you begin to meditate in the Word and begin to ask God to give you grace that you don't no longer enter into the temptation? Okay, there's a third thing that happened. The, the, uh, there's another thing that happened to him, Luke 4. Look at in verse 9 through to 12. He brought Jesus to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of a temple, and said, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it's written he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you. In verse 12, Jesus answered and said, it's been said you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, the, the, the third thing that fasting can do is strengthen your identity and security. Now, notice this, that the temptation was... If you are a Christian, do something to prove it. If you are the Son of God, why don't you prove it? Now, what you've got to see what happened here. Now, you imagine standing here, and here you are standing, and then you become overwhelmed with a spiritual atmosphere of darkness and oppression, and then suddenly you are picked up physically, and you're up on Tomato Peak. Now, can you, that is freak-out territory. Come on, think about this. Think about what you would experience and what you would feel if suddenly you're just plucked up and you find yourself in another place and there's no presence of God around. All you're aware of is the devil. That is heavy stuff. See? But he came into that account and see, and so what he was able to do, the temptation was, hey, if you are the son of God, prove it by doing something so everyone will understand and know. You know, you want the crowds to follow, you've got to do something, you've got to get that crowd, you know, this is the way to get the crowd. And you see, Jesus was able to overcome that, he was totally secure in who he was, his roots of identity were deep with the Father. See, I don't have to do anything like that to prove myself, I don't have to prove I'm anything. See, he was able to resist it. See, so if we want, one of the things we're going to look at this year is our identity in Christ. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, you'll actually then try to live for the crowd to please the crowd. And you'll try to find out who you are by what you've got around you, what you own, what your position is, what your status is, all that kind of stuff. We're going to be doing that kind of thing. We want to find our identity strongly in the Lord, who we are. So here's another thing then that happened there was... Um, Notice in verse 5, the devil take him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said, this authority I give to you in their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I will. Now notice here another thing. Here's another thing that fasting does. Fasting changes your perspective on life. 
totally shifts your perspective on life. Now, this is the temptation. You've got to imagine this. Jesus is there praying, and suddenly he's whisked up. And now it's not sure whether it's a physical mountain or it's in the spirit. Either way, I'd say it's in the spirit. But he's in the spirit, and he's now seeing all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, that's, imagine the impact on your senses. See, if we've only had just kind of like a closed-eye vision and never actually seen into the realm of the Spirit, you've got to imagine what it does to you when you do that. It has a huge effect on you. So Jesus was taken to that place, and he was offered a shortcut to fulfill his purpose. He was offered a way to get his purpose done without the cross. Now, this year, many of us, like we have in other years, will face opportunities which look great, but they're not necessarily what God has for you. And the only way you know what is and what isn't is if you have God's perspective on life. And you get that with intimacy obtained through prayer and fasting. You understand that? So Jesus had a perspective on life. He could see what really was important and how God wanted him to do about stuff. See, like, for example, Peter come up to him and said, hey, listen, forget the stuff about the cross. We're having a great time here. There's lots of miracles. Forget the cross stuff. We just want to really make an influence here. We want to really extend. Man, this is it. We're onto a roll here. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He could see behind his words something that was a wrong motivation. And you can't see that unless you've actually got eyes to see it and ears to hear it, and it's obtained through prayer and fasting. There's no other way to get it. It gets you, got, you begin to get God's perspective on things, especially if you spent time talking with him and he begins to show you some stuff. Here's another thing, uh, Luke 4, 28. I'll just quickly go through these. Luke 4 and verse 28. Jesus in the synagogue, all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were upset. They were filled with wrath, wanted to kill him. So another thing that happens is the motivations of people around you become exposed when you become involved in prayer and fasting. Now, if you're working in a corporate situation, you've got all kinds of agendas there, you get into prayer and fasting, you'll be amazed what emerges. You will be amazed what flushes up. Where everywhere Jesus went, stuff flushed up. It just flushes up to the surface. If you want to have a, a life where things are no longer covered over, but they come to the surface and you know what you're really dealing with, get into prayer and fasting. You'd be amazed what it does. So it flushed, and what it did was it flushed the religiosity of these people up to the surface. They had no heart for God. They just wanted to kill him. Here's his first message, and they want to kill him. So uh, fasting and prayer will then, uh, not only enlarge your perspective, it will also expose the motivations of people around you. Another thing that will do is it'll make room for supernatural protection. They rose up, verse 29, thrust him out of the city, led him to the brow of the hill in which the city was built, that they might throw him over a cliff. But he passed right through the middle of them. Now, this is a guy up the front preaching out here at me. You notice how, how easy is it for me to hide in this church? Now think about that. Suppose you all decided you want to grab me and hurl me out over there. Now, I'm easy to identify. And they actually had him. And the crowd, the whole crowd, the whole church left the church meeting and they've, they've pushed him up to the top of the mountain. They get him right up the mountain. They're just about to be able to kill him. And then he walks straight through the middle of them. How do you do that? You've got to have supernatural protection. I can remember being in deliverance meetings in, in, uh, overseas and, and, and people there wanting to kill me, and they couldn't get anywhere near me. It was like there was a realm of protection. Now, there's a realm of protection available for you from anything that would seek to harm you when you get into the presence and walk in the power of God. It's a wonderful thing, wonderful thing to have. I remember talking to the guy. He said, I want to kill you. He said, why didn't you try? He said, I couldn't get near you. 
See, there's a divine protection. We want these things. You've got to pay the price for them. We access the presence of God. Another thing in Luke 4, verse 33, notice it says that in the synagogue, there was a man who had an unclean demon, cried out with a loud voice. Here's another thing that fasting and prayer does. It actually exposes demonic activity around you. Now, of course, your demons work everywhere. We don't have to be preoccupied with them, but we just don't know what they're up to. But when you get into fasting and prayer and you begin to start to carry the anointing and life of God, you know what happens? The stuff flushes out. It suddenly manifests itself. It starts to come to the surface. I've seen it in all kinds of different scenarios. Lovely, nice people, and you think they're such sweet. And the next thing you know, the stuff coming out of their mouth, you think, whoa, where did that come? They're in a full manifestation mode. There's stuff coming out of their mouth. And what's happening is the, the spiritual bondage they were in now becomes uncovered and your position to help them. If you don't know what's wrong with people, how can you help them? How can you help them? If, you, if we're called to cast demons out of people, how can we do it if we can't actually flush them up? Can you understand? Now, people around in our culture are demonized. They need the help. They need the life and power of God. But this is one of the benefits of prayer and fasting. It enables you to expose these things. They come up to the surface. Well, you're not too sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, it's like having a house full of termites and trying to ignore them. In the end, the house falls down. You know, you want to have your eyes open. You want to flush the termites out. Then you want to kill them. That's what deliverance is all about. Flushing them out, get rid of them. That's what we're called to do. It's your birthright. It's your birthright. It's who you are, child of God, to do such things. Okay, I'll give you a couple more and then we'll finish up. So uh, next thing in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, look at this. It says, verse 16, he often withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And as it came on a certain day as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by and come out of every town. Notice this. Every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal him. Here's two other things that happens. Your influence will increase through prayer and fasting. Every town, everyone come out to hear him. Influence, there's, a, there's an influence you can obtain by being a clever person, by leading people and leaving them smart. There's another kind of influence comes that comes directly from the anointing and the power and the presence of God on your life. And he influenced people. We all call to influence people. We need the power of God in our life. They'll come out to hear him. Here's another thing that happens. There's this power to change impossible situations. The power of the Lord was present to heal. If you read on a little further, there was a man who was paralyzed from birth or paralyzed many years, and he was healed. Now, if we want power to change impossible situations, prayer and fasting. Have you got an impossible situation? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Even the hardest people turn around. I was, I was so... Uh, just, I just really laughed when, when uh, my brother and his wife were saying that when they first got, when they got married, they got the order of service and actually went through and wrote God out of every part of it. How about that? Every reference to God was deleted. They showed me the book. You can see God marked out and the rest of it then made up the service. I said, well, you can write God out of your service. You can't write him out of your life. He's come in with a vengeance. Totally turned them around. In impossible situations, suddenly, in a moment of time, has changed. It's the power of God does that. Presence of God does that. Have you got some impossible situations need changing? Prayer and fasting. 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 I'll give you the last one here, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. It says, another day, 
He went out in the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. When it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and there he chose the 12, who he also named apostles. Now, get this. If you know that there's a certain guy out there in that crowd, and he's going to sell you out and betray you after he's lived with you, how easy is it to choose him? Think about this. He spent all night. So one of the things that prayer and fasting does is it empowers you in decision-making. How many of you know what it's like to, to, to wally around and you can't make a decision? And if you, do, if you wally around too long, everyone around you gets demoralized and becomes very passive and problems come. Then you've got no power to shift this thing. So we need to be able to make decisions. Prayer and fasting helps you become decisive. And not only that, helps you become clear in the decisions you should make. So when we're not sure what to do, Ask the Lord, any man lacks wisdom, ask the Lord, come me with prayer and fasting, position yourself to be sharp in your hearing and expect God to show you something. Isn't that right? Come on, these are all some great benefits of praying and fasting. These are all, I'm sure you've got at least one of those that you could get. And of course, at the end, read the last one there, verse 19. Everyone, the whole multitude wanted to touch him because power went out from him. There's an increase of spiritual life and power as we pray and fast. An increase of spiritual life and power. And every one of those things in itself can be developed. It's a part of your life. This is part of your heritage. Making decisions this year. Breaking through impossible situations. Getting wisdom what to do. Accessing first-hand information from the Lord. Becoming secure in who you are. Man, there's a whole list of stuff there. There's something there that you could purpose to break through. This is what I want you to do. I want you to make a decision whether you're going to fast in these three weeks. Secondly, write down what it is you want to do. Write down what you're wanting to come. Why am I fasting? If you don't say why you're fasting and have it clear in front of you, you will give up after a short period of time. Third thing, write down how long and what kind of fast I'm going to do. Is it going to be one day a week, two days a week? Mornings only, afternoons and mornings, three meals a day, two meals a day, one meal a day, whatever it's going to be, write it down. Write it down. Have it in front of you every day. Okay? Next thing, make sure you set aside time to build daily time with the Lord. You've got to actually put time in with God. Reading the Word of God, praying, some worship music, begin to start to pray in time. Just begin to start your spirit flowing towards God with a hunger. Express words of hunger and desire. And finally, get a journal and write down, get a journal and write down the scriptures that you feel impressed by, what God is speaking to you about, and the kinds of insights God gives you on the way. You may not get them all during the period of fasting, but you will get them. Write them down so you don't forget. Remember, you fasted for those things. Write them down. They're precious. They cost you something. They cost you some meals. They cost you some niggly stomachs and pain in the stomach. They cost you something. So write down what God said and then begin to work with it. Pray and fast. 21 days. So Tuesday night, let's get a great crowd out here to come in and celebrate and engage the presence of God. Let's make this week a week where we build our personal life with God, build our prayer life, build our connection with God. If there's anything in the way, just get over it quick. Don't stay down. Just get up and get over it. You blew it and did some crazy stuff. Just bring it to the Lord. Put it right and get on. Get up and get going again. This year is your year to break out.